politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight for what actually matters to our lives in the way it matters. And most importantly, at the time it matters and the time is now here at CR Podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back here today, Tuesday, the 10th of January. And we have so many issues, so many strategies to discuss, so many policy ideas. In the coming days, we're going to start going through one after another. The issues, the way to message them, the type of policy outcomes we want, state, federal. This is what it is. We're not asking for Minutemen circa Lexington and Concord and Bunker Hill. Okay, you don't have to lay your lives on the line. Sometimes we use these war analogies in politics, but it's just politics. Just say no. Obstruct. Hostage take. But you're not really taking a hostage. It's just metaphorically, just say no. You say to the Republican Party, you are the enemy like the Democrats. If you want our support, whether in a legislative body or whether private citizens voting for you, you get on our plantation. That is the lesson. And you know what? It's working so far federally. And we'll talk about that. Now we need to try it with these deep red state supermajorities that are wasted beyond belief from fake Republicans and conservatives refusing to uh, embark on this surgical process that we just saw in Washington. So look, yesterday, McCarthy announces he's kicking these three radical Democrats off committees, as he promised. Um, It turns out Mike Rogers, the big rhino who is going to take a swing at Matt Gates, he's off the steering committee now. Homeland Security, and they, they made their first choices, and generally speaking, the steering committee chose the better of the two. Um, Jason Smith to be to serve as chairman of Ways and Means. I mean, he's not kind of one of us, but he's better than we usually get for Ways and Means, better than the other two choices, that's for sure. Um, and Freedom Caucus member Mark Green beat out, beat out Dan Crenshaw for the Homeland Security Committee. Now, I couldn't say this yesterday, but I will say that was part of the informal deal, was that the Freedom Caucus would get Homeland Security over Dan Crenshaw. So look, so far, he is fulfilling the agreement. The rules package passed. It's in law, governing the House, so now he screws us anything. One person motion to vacate is right there. So I'm definitely going to take yes for an answer. But on the other hand... Like any other victory, when we come 50 years too late after a 50-year comatose fake conservative movement, by the way, embodied by the behavior of the so-called conservative vanguards this past week, we're never going to have any one victory that's going to be self-executing and save our civilization, economy, liberty, life, and health all in one. But it gives us tools. And now I'm going to work frantically to try to work with these people I know on these committees to try to get the information out to the public to red pill them. And really what it boils down to is getting the right information through the committee hearings, pushing the right categorical legislation to move the public and shift the Overton window, and then as many elements of that as we can to prep it the battlefield and set the stage for them to be placed in the must pass bills, debt ceilings, farm bills, and certainly the government funding. That's essentially the agenda. So as you well know, I'm not just a man who says no and criticizes. I like getting on the playing field because we all want to make a difference. Now I want to go through some of those agenda items. But I first want to note that we need to do this on a state level. I was just speaking with some friends in South Carolina. We talked yesterday about Ohio, where the moderates got together to elect a leftist speaker. They worked with the Democrats. They've already done this long ago in Alaska. They're working to weaken conservatives in in Montana. And now in South Carolina... And this has been going on for a couple weeks. I haven't had a chance to get to this. They want 
conservatives to sign a loyalty oath. So um, my buddy Andy Roth is the executive director of the State Freedom Caucus Project. What they're trying to do is take the National Freedom Caucus, and it's kind of loosely affiliated. Uh, There's some fundraising involved, like Andy Biggs and Scott Perry, and they're setting up State Freedom Caucuses, um, mainly in the houses, but sometimes maybe in the Senate as well, in the state legislature. And as we noted, if you put the Democrats on a shelf for a minute, if Republicans were really a fraction of what they profess to be, you would have 25 states where liberty, economy, values, health, life would reign supreme. But they don't. But no one wants to do surgery because, well, officially Republicans have great supermajorities. I don't want to do anything to upend that. So, uh, but the Democrats, and let's focus on Washington. And meanwhile, we are squandering this leverage. And year after year, these same rhino dirtbags get reelected, renominated in the primaries because they wear our jerseys. But then they do the opposite, and no one wants to expose that. So, this article, let me read to you from Fitz News in. Uh, South Carolina, conservative, independent, uh, kind of libertarian-leaning news outlet. Nearly 20 members of the South Carolina House of Representatives may not be part of the Republican caucus for much longer, assuming a group of establishment GOP lawmakers get their way, that is. This news outlet previously reported on some drama that went down during the House's, uh, House's organizational session last month regarding the loyalty oath. This oath, which is being pushed by new Republican Majority Leader Davey Hyatt of Pickens County and South Carolina Speaker Pro Temp Tommy Pope, would prohibit members from endorsing or campaigning on behalf of anyone challenging a GOP incumbent in next spring's primary elections. would also prohibit lawmakers from posting images of the House's electronic voting board on their social media pages and from discussing the internal processes behind House votes during public appearances. Basically, it's an incumbent protection ultimatum accompanied by a muzzle. They said you sign this loyalty oath or you get kicked out of the caucus. couple things here. Number one, it demonstrates the racket. How important it is for us not to focus on legislatures from their perspective, which is why it's so important we do. They want to keep this veneer of the GOP supermajority going while doing the bidding of pharma and big business and the hospital associations in perpetuity. So that's why they don't like, obviously, a Freedom Caucus coming around where you have a national arm now that could fundraise against incumbent rhinos. They don't want them to uh, take a picture of the scoreboard of votes because they don't want people to know how they're voting because typically no one cares and doesn't focus on legislatures. And they don't want to discuss internal processes with people like me that will then go out and expose it. So, number one, it demonstrates the importance of shedding light. We cannot pass our list of 100 items we want to pass in every legislature. Medical freedom, the transgender stuff, illegal immigration, global warming, crime, whatever it is. Interposition stuff. We cannot get that through until we get rid of the rhinos. And we can't do that until we expose rather than cover up and... The, the schism. We need confrontation, not unity. That's what last week showed. It's time for them to assert their will. Now, we are starting a South Carolina team, and I'll let you know more about that, but but here's here's what I'm offering you guys. Anyone who understands the legislature, maybe has some contacts, and is willing to put in the time, this could be a lot of time, so think about this. But if you're willing to be a team leader, because I don't have time to sit and organize it, all I can do is I can meet you, and then everyone who signs up at conaction.network and says, I want to be a part of this team, I'm just warning you, I'm not bothering with Democrat states at this point, because again, we, we can't even do good in red states. So I'm starting from the lower hanging fruit. And let's say 50 people sign up, 100 people sign up in South Carolina. I will hand you the names of those people. You email them and say, we're going to organize that first meeting. Get together. Some maybe will be on you know 
telecommunications, some will be in person, and you start doing division of labor. Your priorities, how you're going to push with local media, you're going to push your stuff, you're going to push your you know quasi-lobbying efforts in the legislature, push a social media campaign, create an email list, and put out updates to name the heroes and the zeros in terms of what's going on. And you will make a world of a difference. So that's number one. But number two is, this is going to provide the blueprint for what I've been yelping about forever. That we need to create a convert or die moment, an inflection moment. Where we stop going along with this go along to get along Republican business where we force the divide, expose the divide, and then force a resolution. And that will either force a new party or force them to get on our plantation and create the environment where we finally wind up winning a significant amount of primaries in each election cycle. That's essentially my goal, and I want to explain how this achieves that. First, our sponsor today, Birch Gold Group. Um, there's a lot of gold groups out there. Birch is one that really has staying power. They've been around for a while, and they actually share our values. Look, this ain't getting better with the economy and inflation um, and the funny money, that's for sure. So gold for over 5,000 years has has, uh, withstood inflation, geopolitical turmoil, stock market crashes, and you can still get it. In fact, you can own gold and silver in a tax-sheltered retirement account. Now we're going to start looking towards filling out your... 2022 tax reform uh, tax form and a lot of you like me you'll kind of wind up owing a few thousand dollars left over I don't like sending it to them so what I do is I just put more money into an IRA but if you're going to put it into an IRA are you going to put it into BlackRock and Vanguard no here's what you need to do text the word Daniel to 989898 to claim your free info kit on gold today with almost 20 years' experience converting IRAs and 401ks into precious metals, Birch Gold can help you. Um, you could even speak to them in person. Protect yourself with gold today by texting Daniel to the number 989898. Secure your future with gold today and start with your free info kit. Again, zero obligation at texting Daniel to 989898. So the beauty of this thing in South Carolina is that they're threatening to kick them out of the conference. And I just called a friend of mine there, and I said, buddy, is that a bad thing? Go take it! The 20 or so Freedom Caucus members should just announce, hey, we're not going to be part of your conference. That's great. This is my dream. They're forcing a new party. And again, they'll get elected in primaries on the Republican ballot line. The whole problem with a new party was infrastructure with a ballot line. So this is a way of creating that coalition government. Okay, fine. We're our own party. And you start putting out your own messaging, your own ideas that are popular with the supermajority of voters within your state. And then, now you might say, well, Daniel, unlike in Congress, a supermajority counterintuitively works against us because they have such a majority that even with our guys leaving, they could still do what they want. So, you know, it's not like you're denying them the votes. True. But here's the deal. You're denying them the gravitas, the cover that we give them. You see, ironically, we are almost helping the fake opposition by having Thomas Massey's and, you know, Chip Roy's and and Ted Cruz and whatever and Ron Johnson in the party. It allows people to think, oh, Daniel, you can't tell me there's no difference between Republicans and Democrats. Look at this. But it's only being driven by a handful of people. You take those people out of the conference, they're going to have a big problem now. Because here's the deal. Either they're going to have some milk toast corporatist agenda that Democrats will still oppose, so they do need Republic, uh, conservative Freedom Caucus support, so we do have leverage, or if they go so extreme and just pass all the major legislative session issues with Democrat support, that will let them do it. It will be out in the open, and then we could finally flush them. This, my friends, is the blueprint. I am so excited about this. Hopefully they don't give in and they hold their ground and not sign that stupid loyalty oath, or I would say even negotiate. 
I wouldn't even negotiate. I'd say, hey, we're leaving the caucus. And by the way, if they all did that, I guarantee you they'd come crawling back just like Kevin McCarthy did. Because for the reason I just explained, they can't afford that. And they'll say, what do you need? And then that's when I'm going to start saying, hey, let's demand rules committee. Let's start demanding. And I'm not familiar with the structure of the South Carolina legislature, but you get what I mean. And then, you know, certain issues that get passed. But anyway, let's go back to the federal stuff for now. So what are, what's the agenda? What's the agenda? What do we need to focus on? My issue is we need to focus primarily on things that make it clear that we care about people's life, liberty, economy, and values, the betterment of their lives. What I mean is don't focus primarily on the drama of politics. Look, obviously we have the big news today that Biden as VP, what is this, for seven years now, was holding on to classified documents. And it turns out that DOJ knew this a week before the elections and, of course, didn't release that because, you know, it, it would have harmed their people. I get it. And obviously they're going to investigate that. Obviously they're going to invade against that. But I'm just saying if the entire two years is about Biden corruption, I, it, it's weird, but it just it doesn't hurt them. We don't win elections on that. And that's what this past election proved. They can get away painting our guys as corrupt, but somehow it just doesn't land with them. I'm not saying you shouldn't point it out. But to me, it's primarily the way you show their corruption is on how they are destroying our lives. How they're destroying our lives. The first thing, obviously, is medical freedom. Now, I have told you, I am concerned that I don't feel it's enough on the agenda even of the conservatives. So it's something I'm going to be working on. But I want to go through a couple of issues and demonstrate there's a typical dogma or typical Republican dogma on how to focus on a specific issue that we've accepted for so long, and it needs to be tweaked. And that tweak makes all of the difference. So first, obviously, with, with COVID. So there is going to be a select subcommittee on the coronavirus pandemic. It's going to be a subcommittee under a government oversight committee, um, which is chaired by Comer of Kentucky. And again, my concern is that they're making it all about Fauci, 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 Wuhan Institute itself, um, lockdowns, school closures. Like that's three years too late. That's small potatoes at this point. It needs to be bigger about DARPA, transhumanism, the military, and I'm going to talk about the military in a minute, the military getting in on it, the gain of function they're still doing, and yes, that includes vaccines itself, and they're going to have to broach the vaccine issue, not just lockdowns, not just origins of COVID, and the origins can't just be Fauci. It's got to be the intel defense community. That's the bigger fish to fry here. I'm telling you, that is the bigger fish to fry. This is my concern. And the reason I say that is because, yeah, all Republicans like dunking on Fauci now, even though a lot of them originally went along with him. They're fine with that. But um, what Republicans are apt to go along with is DOD. And this is my bigger point. So, so A, we need vaccine injury. We need to get into all that. And I'm going to try to find out who's going to be on that subcommittee. And we need to get to work. That's agenda item number one. And, and again, once we find out the roster, I'm going to need you guys to call them and say, look, vaccine injury has to be a significant portion of this. What they knew, when they knew it, what else is coming in the pipeline, the extent of the death and, and injury, and how we stop this. They have to be willing to go there. Number two, connected to this military issue. I have a column out today on the military. The military has been the albatross around the necks of conservatives to limiting government. 
because we're always like, all right, we love the military. We can never spend enough money on the military. Military, military, military. So Democrats are like, all right, well, you want more military spending? Well, we're going to get more non-defense discretionary spending. And this is how both budgets have increased over time. And this is also how not just the spending, but the Fourth Reich subversion of the policies and corruption of both the defense and non-defense agencies has festered without accountability for decades. Yes, we believe in a strong defense deterrent. But let's face it. Defense gets more money than anything on the, on the face of the planet. No other country gives $859 billion for defense every year. They are also the most powerful. For the same reason we like a military, an unaccountable military is more dangerous than an unaccountable HHS or HUD or EPA. Or NIAD under Fauci. We need to remember that. We need to remember that. The military is the biggest problem we have. It's our biggest pride. But let's say it gets taken over, which it has been taken over. Now it's the biggest liability. It's the biggest threat to our liberties. So right now, the big discussion among House Republicans is you have all these rhinos and armed services committee members are saying, I don't want spending cuts in the debt ceiling and the budget bill because it's going to start harming defense. Now, first of all, just so you know, for this year, we're up to $859 billion for defense. There was a 10% increase in one year. Okay? They want it to increase, let's say, 7 or so percent, 5 to 7% every single year from that. No, no one is advocating that we cut it back to $500 billion, which is a lot of money, but no, no one's advocating that. We're just saying kind of let, let's stop the increases. If you, would, if you would limit the focus of the military to what actually threatens us, you will save money. So there's two things that need to be done. Number one, you need to focus strategically what we need a kinetic force for and what we don't and where we need it. That's number one. And number two, you need to first change the freaking culture of the military that it's worthy of service. See, right now, you could spend $5 trillion on the military every year. But if we're not meeting our recruitment go goals, because nobody normal, nobody from the Christian conservative southern families, not just in the south, but that's kind of the stereotype, that have served in the military for generations are willing to serve anymore because it's a transgender, social engineering, women in combat crap hole, then what's the point? Like, you can't throw endless money at the military. You can't define hawkishness and being a defense hawk by the dollar amount you throw at a woke and broken military. You have to fix the woke and broke. Then we could talk about spending levels. That's the point. This is false choice that if you spend $860 billion, you're a hawk. And if you spend, again, we're not talking about 500, we're like 830 billion, you're a dove. And like, no, I'm the true hawk. Now, so let's go through each one first. So the Wall Street Journal has a column out ripping us for like a straw man saying, no, 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 it's not true. It's not true. Um, you could talk, we agree on the woke stuff, but let's face it, this stuff doesn't add up to that much money. It's a policy problem. So uh, you're not going to cut spending based on that. Now, first off, they're missing the point, even if you don't cut the spending on that, but you fix the military. You, you, you can't pump in more money. You're, you're pumping money into spying on Americans, into studying psychological warfare, how to convince Americans to go along with COVID. That was the military. You're putting it into DARPA. You're putting it into the NSA spying. But number two is, there's the other half they're forgetting which is if you look at all of the theaters we're involved in that the Wall Street Journal wanted us involved, Afghanistan, yes, we're kind of done with that, but Ukraine is the new thing. They're advocating for Ukraine. That's over $100 billion in one year. So that is a significant, because remember, the contours of this debate, like I told you, it's not $500 billion worth between us. It's like $30 billion, let's say. I'm just putting a number on it. So just from Ukraine alone, we would save all that money. But also... 
every single base, every single weapon system, every single deployment where we are, we're like in over 100 countries in some level, but in many of them very significantly, do we need to freaking be there? You need to first create a strategic vision of what we need a military for. And I think we all agree that number one is deterring China. But again, a lot of even China is in asymmetric warfare. It's cyber, it's economic, it's supply chains, it's political, it's cultural, not having their meat hooks into America, it's immigration and their student visas, all these issues. It's counterintelligence. I'm not saying we don't need the best ships and planes to deter them, but I'm saying let's remember there's that part too. Until now, that's primarily how they've been eating our lunch. It hasn't been through a kinetic force. Now, that is a looming threat. But in general, foreign policy is overrated. We spend too much on that. That we have to have an answer for every last thing in the world. No. China is a big problem, and that should be your, your deterrent. Typically, the way Congress was supposed to act is this. You have an authorization bill, and you have an appropriation bill. An authorization bill is I authorize the program, the agency, the department, its purview. What do we need to do? What's its purpose? What are the biggest threats? You deal with the policy, policy, not the dollars and cents. Then, pursuant to that authorization bill, you write an appropriations bill to come up alongside it to fund what you feel is necessary. So you have a defense authorization bill, the NDAA, and then you have a probes bill. In recent years, the NDAA has become all about, you guessed it, the top line spending. Is it going to be $860 billion, $851 billion, and that's it. And we never debate this. Like, if you don't support this, you're not a hawk, you don't support the military. No. So I created a list of what I think needs to be done in the next NDAA, and then we could talk about Spending. So, so first of all, again, we need to audit what we're involved with. And I'm telling you, you will be able to save easily $100 billion and still put more money into the planes and ships we like. But, but even then, remember, they're not all created equal. Not every single weapon system and hardware created by Lockheed Martin is necessary. The same way, it, it, it like amazes me how fake conservatives, they'll understand at a surface level, the pay-for-play revolving door in every other agency and corresponding industry. But when it comes to the you know, military-industrial complex, they look at you, oh, I don't know, are you not a patriot? Give me a break. But as far as the policies, we need to ban the Pentagon from ever instituting a mask mandate. Number one. Number two, force reinstatement and back pay for those terminated under the vaccine mandate. Expand parameters of religious and medical exemptions for other vaccines and permanently ban mRNA shots in the military. By the way, folks, do you know that even now, after the NDAA officially halted prospectively, not retrospectively, the vaccine mandate, there's still news that the Coast Guard and the and the um, National Guard are not implementing it. I mean, this is how rogue these agencies are. So we need this fight. End the weaponization of the military medical system forcing behavioral evaluations on service members as forms of retaliation for whistleblowing. If you remember, we spoke about last year Seth Ritter, the case of Seth Ritter at Fort Benning. This was a whistleblower on the vaccine stuff going on at Fort Benning, violating um, violating the law in terms of what they were doing. And they almost drugged the guy. Psychological evaluation almost drugged him. If, if not for Dr. Valit and some of these people on the outside who got involved, this is a big problem. The entire defense health agency, the DHA, needs to be overhauled to focus on military readiness rather than the biomedical Karen state. In other words, we have in 
the Karen medical system is 10 times worse in the military. That is being pro-troops. I'm sick of hearing that if you don't throw endless sums of money without reforms, you're not pro the soldiers. If you don't first push these reforms, you're not pro-military. Next, allow our soldiers to carry weapons on U.S. bases. This was brought up. Trump promised it and then never fulfilled it. And even after the Pensacola shooting, when this came to life in 2019, December 2019, he refused to do it. And connected to that is ending the Saudi training programs on U.S. military bases. If you remember, the Pensacola shooter at uh, Naval Air Station Pensacola, he killed three Americans in a terror attack. He was a Saudi pilot being trained there. Turns out we have several thousand of these from Saudi Arabia, Egypt, and Turkey every year. And they expanded rather than terminated the program. Trump raised an issue and then backed down. And then his defense um, secretary expanded the program. That needs to be terminated. Prohibit all transgender or critical race theory training and programs. That's That's simple. Cancel the green agenda. So it's two things. Number one, the purview of the military to fight climate change. And number two, the actual hardware of the military going green, making crappy materials at higher cost. Uh, Washington Post has a whole article out on um, Biden's DOD is now pushing 60,000 vehicles to be retrofitted with these $50,000 battery packs, which are, of course, made in China. Next thing, terminate all NSA programs spying on Americans. Full stop. A full audit of the mission and activities of DARPA and the Defense Threat Reduction Agency. These are the agencies that are involved in gain of function, the bioweapons labs, um, vaccines, their entire transhumanist agenda of the military, their psyops on the American people. All of that needs to be opened up. Meaning, the point is, the same ferocity and unity of, of mission that Republicans seem to have on DOJ and Fauci, they need to have on DOD. You can't just be, I'm, I'm pro-military. That, 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 that's a joke. They're the biggest threat. Let's just finish up here. Terminate all social engineering programs, lowering standards to place women in combat. And then we need kind of a broad religious liberty bill of rights ensuring that no soldier through the course of his service is ever forced to violate his conscience. Yes, you don't have the same rights when you're in the military as a civilian. That is a necessary evil to a certain extent. But we need a broad religious conscience bill of rights in the military. So those are my dozen or so ideas Email me, danielhorowitz at startmail.com, especially those of you who are in the military or did serve in the military. Let me know what I'm missing. Let me know if you have more good ideas. We are going to push these with everyone that we can get their attention. But broadly speaking, going back to COVID and understanding the threat that the Pentagon has become, this is from Armed Forces Press. So it's a website, armedforces.press. They put this out last week. And this is the linchpin. Legislatively and oversight-wise, what we need them to focus on with COVID. A combination of the PREP Act, Emergency Use Authorization, and Other Transactions Authority. Look it up. OTA. Shielded big pharma agencies and medical participants that delivered unregulated vaccines from any liability. According to congressionally passed statutes, research of activity or uh, active laws and extra details obtained through the Freedom of Information Act, the Department of Defense owns, implements, and oversees the COVID-19 vaccine program as a countermeasure to foreign attack. While the public was bombarded with an orchestrated fear campaign, the U.S. government managed the COVID response as a national security threat. This is the core people need to understand. And they go through all of this. The three-legged stool. Again, EUA, PREP Act, and OTA, Other Transactions Authority. Um, they basically put the National Security Council in charge and treated it as an act of war. 
According to Operation Warp Speed, the DOD, or, DOD ordered, oversaw, and tightly managed the development, manufacture, distribution of COVID countermeasures, mainly utilizing the DOD's previously established network of military contractors. DOD, BARDA, and HHS ordered all COVID countermeasures, including vaccines as prototype demonstrations of large-scale large manufacturing, avoiding regulations and transparency under other transaction authority. And this is a quote from, where is this? Former executive of a pharmaceutical contract research organization, the CRO, Sasha um, Ladipova. The implication is that the U.S. government authorized and funded the deployment of non-compliant biological materials, meaning that they don't meet regulatory standards on Americans without clarifying their prototype legal status, making the materials not subject to normal regulatory oversight, all while maintaining a fraudulent pseudo-regulatory presentation to the public. Most incredible is the fact that current laws enacted by the U.S. Congress appear to make the cover-up act actions legal. So this is very, very important. Very important. This needs to be dealt with in the DOD, and this needs to be dealt with in the subcommittee on coronavirus. NDAA and the subcommittee, those are the two points of leverage, and we need legislation repealing the PREP Act and things like that. Banning mRNA vaccines, banning emergency use vaccines that have not undergone human clinical trials. All these things is what we need. You know, I'm just thinking, if only we had other conservative figures doing what I do. But I don't even have the bandwidth for all of this, and this is why I'm going to need your help formulating these ideas. State, federal, this is what we're doing. We're going to push this agenda everywhere. But I just wanted you guys to know that on the military, it's not enough to say, oh, I'm just for endless spending. A, that's going to sabotage our ability to cut spending elsewhere. When we don't need to increase military spending, we just need to reshift the spending at a minimum, and we need to fix the policies. And B, it ties back into the, what I believe is the number one issue that, unfortunately, Republicans aren't making number one, but we need to make a number one, which is obviously biomedical fascism. You know, and, and let me just give another agenda item. Remember Bi Biden's trans, uh, transhumanist agenda? His executive order from a couple months ago, I, th I think it was September, where he said, we're going to develop writing circuitry in human beings, programming human beings like software. That needs to be blocked and defunded. But what, what what's the other big item? I mean, there's there's a number of them, but let's go down the line to the next one. Border security, immigration. Okay, that's that's the big issue now. Again, Republicans seem to be very united on that issue, but it's united a day late and a dollar short after for two decades, three really, the Republican Party fought us tooth and nail before they arrived at our position, but then don't really arrive at our position. You see, they're going to be proposing things that might have worked, and we ourselves proposed them maybe 10 years ago. But now with the scale and magnitude of the invasion this large, it's not going to help. The most effective form of border security is not at the border itself. I want to make that very clear. Border security is a canard. Border security is a distraction. And border security is a vacuous term that can and will be not only hijacked, but used as a honey trap to force concessions with amnesty. So, here's the thing. Right now, it's uncontrollable. You have, if you just look at the numbers, so you have 718,000 encounters just in the first 100 days of the FY 2023 since October 1st. 520,000, so the overwhelming majority, were released. So they were Title 42-ing, what is it, you know, maybe almost 200,000 or so, but 520,000 were released. 
Also, gotaways are averaging 2670, 2670 per day. And, and and this is, you know, that that's a real, real low estimate. We've explained that before. It's likely twice that. But if you just take those numbers, we're averaging for the year 2.6 million encounters for the year, 1.9 million of which will be released, and then another million gotaways. Okay, you, you cannot even imagine that. And then this is built on top of, since Biden left office, we're at, what are we at? I can't even keep track. We're at something like four, I want to say 4.5 million, I think. 4.5 million encounters. Encounters since Biden took office. It shocks the consciousness. You can't litigate your way out of an invasion. Nor could you border security your way out of an invasion. Now, you can if you make it a military operation, but we're obviously not doing that, and Biden's present for another two years. Here's the biggest thing you need to understand about border security. You can never force the executive branch to do something it doesn't plan on doing. The only thing you can do is defund and prohibit it from doing certain things. So the problem is, oh, border security, more border agents, wall, uh, infrastructure. All that will do is fund. It's the same concept we're saying with the military. Absent policy and legal reforms, you're actually funding your enemy. DHS is an enemy. You're going to fund more catch and release. Not just Border Patrol, but even ICE is now being used as a benefit rather than an enforcement agency. Haitians are actually suing to get in front of ICE quicker because then they could get released and get a get a work permit. That's what's happening now. What needs to happen are two things. Well, three, thi- three things. Three-legged stool. Banning catch and release. Not, here's more money. The Border Patrol is... Three times as large as it was when George W. Bush took office. There's more funding and infrastructure than there's ever been. It doesn't matter. It's a policy problem. It's a legal problem. So this border security thing is a waste of time. You know, you have all these rhinos finally, you know, we were the only ones talking about the mechanics of the cartels and everything. Finally, they're speaking our language. And you have Katie Britt from Alabama, that loser that Trump got elected. Yeah, border is terrible. I, I don't want to hear about that. Day late a dollar short, that's no longer the issue. I mean, that's where you see the flow, but they don't stay at the border. They go somewhere. So you need to ban catch and release with a cause of action against the DHS agency heads that, are, that, that violate it, number one. Number two is interior enforcement. This issue is always very simple. The most effective form of border security is not at the border. And this has been shown again and again and again throughout history. If you invite them to come, they'll come. If you don't invite them to come, they won't come. My novel idea, I have the most amazing idea on illegal immigration you will have ever heard in your entire life. Are you going to wait for it? All right, here it is. Make illegal immigration illegal. That's it. Believe it or not, it's not. It is and it isn't. It, it's illegal, but then, oh, you can get a job. You can get Benny's and the courts. You could sue in courts for Plyler v. Doe and US v. Arizona. You, they get everything. If you actually work on cutting off all mandates, and, and, and Republicans aren't going to want to do this, but you need to reverse Plyler v. Doe. No K-12 through education. No health care. No Benny's. Nothing. Border security means nothing to the American people. It doesn't grab them. This is something you shift over to the window, even if you only have control of the House. doesn't go anywhere in the Senate. But at least, you, first of all, you build support for putting some of these riders in the budget and, and engaging in brigmanship, but also you grab the people. It's for the betterment of our lives. Look at how much you're affected by the crime and the cost of illegal immigration. 
We should never have to pay for an invasion. Even if you thought this was too harsh years ago, now with the numbers this bad, the American people are with us, the polling is amazing on this. No bennies. A completely raising penalties on identity theft, which is the linchpin of how illegals are able to remain in the country and live here and, and get what they want. But, obviously, the, the, the feds aren't going to do anything. And this leads me to the third leg of the stool, which is state enforcement. This needs to be the thing. Remember, for the next two years, this is not going to help us. The federal government is, is part of the problem. So, you need to cut off the bennies. You need to ban catch and release with a cause of action against those doing it. But then the other thing is you need the states to be empowered to enforce it because this for two reasons. Number one, it's gotten so bad you need the states. Number two, the feds aren't going to do it. So what we need is to deputize the states to enforce complement and even augment the enforcement of the INA. So now states can enforce immigration law. States can repatriate. States can do what they want. Moreover, a, a, a part of the problem we've always had is the asymmetry in the courts that illegals could sue for anything. They actually have more access to the courts than anyone imaginable. You'd be shocked at how certain motions and certain rules and circuits don't apply to Americans, but they do for illegals. But then Americans or states can't be sued. I think we need a triple leg of cause of action. Number one, Americans that if their family has proven harm, certainly injured physically or killed by an illegal, they could sue the state or federal officials um, that were behind that. Number two, border agents and ICE agents need to sue. You had this years ago, Chris Crane, who was the head of the ICE uh, agency, he tried to, or ICE union, he tried to sue because you're, you're forcing us to do something antithetical to the charter of the agency under the INA. But the judge says you don't have standing. They need to be given standing. And then states like Texas and Florida need to be given standing to sue against a lack of enforcement. The, now, folks, we're cooking with gas. Do you see what I mean? It's a sleight of hand. It's a little bit different than what you're hearing. Border security, more money, more infrastructure, more agents. Blah, blah, blah. That is not where it's at. It's enforcing it in courts, cause of action, state enforcement, and cutting off magnets and bennies. That is what matters. Messaging-wise, the American people could understand it. It's categorical. It speaks to them. And then it cannot get co-opted. Here's the biggest concern. John Cornyn and all these rhinos are out there working with Kirsten Cinema. They actually took a visit to the border with her yesterday. They're trying to create a big grand bargain of border security for amnesty. And the problem with that always was is that Obviously, we should never have to give in to amnesty no matter what. But even if you do, at least have something that is definitive, like all future aliens, you know, the, the magnets are cut off, like revolutionary things. Border security is, is a joke. I'll give you border. I mean, we've been doing that for 40 years. It's, it's, it's not a verifiable thing, and it doesn't even speak to the issue. So these, again, these are... I just want to give you a sense of what I'm going to be working on in the coming days at a state and federal level. I'm not going to rest. The specific things that matter both policy and messaging-wise and move the needle. Not these little one-offs or little clever by half. They're voting on a bill that, oh, if an illegal alien purchases a gun, then Nix has to notify ICE. Yeah, they have to notify ICE and ICE won't deport them. You know, that's, that's not going to do it. You need causes of action in court to get the citizens, the ICE agents, and the states involved. You need to deputize states to enforce. And you need, you need to end catch and release. Don't say what you should be doing. Say what you should not be doing. If you had a conservative as president, we could talk about certain things, but we don't. 
So remember, this is not our military. This is not our DHS. And you have to operate under that assumption. And then there's other issues, like shortages. Republicans need to have answers for the shortages that we're experiencing. You cannot get medicines. We keep talking about this. You cannot get medicines. This is a big problem. We're talking about first-line antibiotics, amoxicillin, augmentin, and albuterol. Basic things. Well, number one, they need to connect that to the vaccines because there is no question that the shedding on children is what is causing RSV and these respiratory viruses. There's no question. That is part of it. So you have more of a demand for it. And then the supply chain issues that needs to be dealt with. What are the regulatory structures in place that are creating these shortages? This is the key. This is absolutely the key. It's the shortage of raw materials being engineered here in the U.S. This is an interesting quote from Conservative Treehouse. They have an article out here. In a general sense, the issue is mostly an outcome of the U.S. outsourcing drug ingredient procurement and manufacture to China and India. Many companies in both of of those countries have been struggling with operational interruptions as a result of COVID. So it's an interesting theory that even though we're done with COVID, for the most part, the lockdowns at least, but China was doing the the lockdown. So why should we care about that? Well, they're hanging their own people. But no, because we're reliant on them. So this needs to be addressed. And that leads me to the last issue which is energy. It's not enough for these little one-offs or we support more drilling permits. You know, Republicans obsess about taxes, 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 taxes. But I think as you all could see, if you're a normal family, what you are paying in the cost of the global warming green energy scam is a greater tax than all of your state and local and federal taxes combined. For an average family. The degradation of the quality of appliances and, and, and products and vital goods and services. And the shortages. And the price increase. And that's even before you get to energy itself. Gas, diesel for trucks, which affects every product, and home heating. But you put that all together. It's costing thousands upon thousands of dollars for each family. What if Republicans said, we are going to have a regulatory revolution of ending the green scam. All green regs and subsidies go out the window. All global warming regs and subsidies go out the window. Starting with the ethanol mandate. See, that sounds a little bit different than what you hear from Republicans. It's very subtle. Because even on energy, Republicans do sound very united. You know, pretty much... On target. But not exactly. Because they still buy into this. You know, Biden already, some of you might have seen this, they put out, very scary, they put out an, a hit list of what they're going after. Light bulbs, gas furnaces, air conditionings, and clothes dryers. Now, I, don't, I don't understand what more they can do. They say they're going to make them more efficient. I don't know how you can make dryers worse than they are. You tell me where you can get a normal dryer that works. We, were, we replaced ours that was 40 years old, lasted 40 years old, 40 years. We should have just put in the money to fix it. Usually you say, you know, you don't put in so much money to fix something that's almost the cost of the thing. But now we're going to have to start doing that on old products that actually worked. Our dryer from day one never doesn't dry. So they're going to make it even worse. We got, to, we got to give the American people a sense of this is what's harming you. You know, Republicans talk about inflation, inflation. That's all they do. And then now, well, okay, what are you going to do to better people's lives and address the fulcrum of what 
creates a, a scarcity, a degradation of products, and a higher price of all these crappy products. Shortages, everything. This is why I'm not so into things like impeachment. Spending time on that. I mean, if they do it, I'm not going to dump on it. I'll support it. I'm just saying, I, I don't think the but the Biden, but the Democrats, I think the best way to get back on them is on policy. Categorical bills, messaging it, and then using it to drive eventually towards the must-pass bills and the budget bills. And the hearings as well, doing that. So that's kind of my vision on energy, immigration, the military, medical freedom. Be categorical. You know, you think about the problems we've had until now. We are where we are today. Because for two to three decades, Republicans, we had to fight our own movement, much less party, on not making it worse with amnesty, much less solving the issue. And that's why we have the result we have today. We had to spend two decades fighting the Republicans joining global warming. You know, the ethanol mandates, the Energy Policy Act of 2005, 2007, so many things were done by Republicans. Okay? They were done by Republicans. So that's where we are where we are today because of that. I want to put a number on this. If you think about it, do you know the Freedom Caucus composes less than 20% of, um, of the conference? And, and, and we know House, conservative, House Republicans are 10 times more conservative than Senate Republicans, yet they're, they're like 18, 19%. And then we know many of the Freedom Caucus members aren't really you know, exactly where we are either. Did you know that the, the, the Congressional Progressive Caucus, the Progressive Caucus, composes almost 50% of the Democrats. And even then, it's a misnomer because even the ones who aren't in it are 100% there. It's just the Overton window has shifted so much. So these guys are like openly want to um, abolish the police. And, and the other half, they're a little bit too embarrassed to say abolish the police. That's kind of the difference. You know, they'll say, I hate the military. These guys don't want to say that. But that, that's, that's the difference. We can't go on like this. We have to assert ourselves. Be categorical. I really think God is giving us this opportunity. We're winning on policy. Don't undersell what you think we could accomplish at a state or federal level. Go for, shoot for the moon. But it's going to require, back to what we started the show with, hostage taking, laying down saying, we will not allow this session to go on any longer until or unless... Um, you know, we rectify the interconference problems. For years, our, this movement has been a fraud. And now we're finally uncovering that. By the way, do you know, what's the biggest movement event? CPAC. Who puts that on? The American Conservative Union. Who has been running CPAC for years? Matt Schlapp, who's now be accused of groping males. By the way, why are fake conservatives and rhinos more gay than even Democrats. It's like the rate is like 50% among them. I'm not kidding. It's like every one of them. Just so bizarre. But that's the point. These are the values of those who are fighting for us for 30 years. The very top voices were the ones that, that threw the fight on gay marriage. They threw the fight on illegal immigration. I mean, the ACU was for amnesty like anything, and now they bought into criminal justice reform. Global warming, you name it. We have to start from the beginning, be intrepid, be categorical, raise our voices, and not back down. Now's our time. Now's our moment. There's so much going on every day, like 50 studies come out on how the shots are killing us. I'm a little bit behind on that, um, but I wanted to start off the new year with, with you know a little different focus. We're not ending that. By the way, um, our friend Aaron from New York, he has a... Substack called Ashmedai, A-S-H-M-E-D-A-I, where he, I mean, talk about a fan of the show. He collated all of my COVID articles from 2022 into a blog post at his Substack. So if you go onto his front page there, you'll see that. Um, really amazing work. And thank you so much, Aaron, for, for doing that. So again, go to conaction.network if you want to sign up for a, a red state 
Liberty Strike Force team. If you're willing to be an organizer, let us know. We'll try to get it together. You know, February is really when the sessions reach their critical moment, so that now's the time to do this. Um, email me as always, Daniel Hurwitz at startmail.com. You can see my columns at The Blaze and Conservative Review. And follow me at RM Conservative. You know, I'm not going to lie. It's a lot of fun now being able to say whatever you want. And I'm certainly not going to leave anything on the table. Folks, until tomorrow, God bless you all. And thank you for listening.